This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, everybody, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of Salt City Hoops. We normally have Ben Dowsett on the program on the other side, but today he couldn't be here, so we have a guest co-host with me, Mr. Tyler Gibbons. Tyler's the, I don't know, just a brilliant man. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think that's fair. Uh, I'll take it. How would you describe your job title, I guess, right now? Uh, how would I describe it? I do stuff that you see on the web from Real Salt Lake's perspective. How about that? I like it. Yeah. I, I, no, I like And I think it's like digital content coordinator or something uh, like that. Is yeah, your, it's like but, a content or production content coordinator or something of that sort i believe my official fancy sounding title but at the same time it's more of like hey if we need to show something to the people tyler put it on the air yes and and you were also producer of of the abc4 show real sports live for a long time that's where Um, we met and that which is indeed where we met and then uh you know, you've also just done a fairly ridiculous and really just inspires a ton of jealous and jealousy in me. You've done so many games as a as a cameraman from the floor from Energy Solutions Arena. You get to hear it up close and personal what these guys are saying and talking about on the court. To be honest, when they took that away this season, it was easy for me to leave my job. That was my favorite part of the job, sitting there listening to Tim Duncan yell out instructions. Listening to Kevin Garnett live up to his expletive ranting for folklore, and uh, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind the last three seasons, and I've been able to see some things that not a lot of people have gotten the opportunity to, and uh, I'm just thankful. And now I get to sit around and talk ball and hoops with you, well, usually I'm... over beers, but you know, at ESPN <laughs> yeah. 700, it's a good choice. That's a great thing, is I like I've talked enough basketball with you that I know that you'd be a great guest host on this program. I'm happy to have you here. I mean, if Ben can't be here, then then you're you're a great replacement. So anyway, thank you again for coming oh, on. Thanks. Um, where can we where can we find you on Twitter? By the way, uh, you can find me at Tyler P Gibbons. That's me right there. First, middle initial and last name. Uh, and you can also find me on Vine since that's another popular. Popular, popular thing for me. That is I actually your knew, most popular thing. Yeah, I actually knew something was going to happen today because overnight. One of my Steph Curry vines from like, I don't know, three, four months ago blew up in Asia. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I woke up with like 150 notifications and, you know, it's it hit that million mark. Well, you've had like Drake's staff reach out to you for like vine advice, that was right? That was uh, the uh, Tyler, the creator and his oh, people, okay. and Vanessa Hudgens and the, the Disney <laughs> folks. You know, I haven't elevated to uh, running through the six with my woes yet. So. <laughs> okay. That's my um, one rap reference. I'll, that's it. No, I'll cut I, it I don't I believe you. You're definitely going to be doing more rap references. Uh, All right. Um, by the way, you can you can follow me at Andy B. Larson. This is a social show, so if you want to tweet in, um, kind of get into the conversation of, what, of whatever we're talking about today, we'd love to read your tweets on air, kind of get you involved in whatever we're talking about. You can tweet me at Andy B. Larson or Tyler here at Tyler P. Gibbons. Uh, you can also always call into the show at 877 So anyway, we've got a lot to talk about because, first of all, it's NBA playoffs time. We've got a playoff game going on right now on TNT. 
we've got three other series obviously going on as well. We've got the NBA Draft Combine. That's tomorrow and Friday. That'll be on ESPN2 from 1 until 5 p.m. Mountain Time. And uh, then we've got the Draft Lottery coming up May 19th. And then the NBA Draft, of course, coming up at the end of June. So there, there's a lot to talk about, not only just in the in NBA land, but also for the Utah Jazz as, as they attack this NBA Draft and kind of try to decide how they can best uh, use the draft to make their team better. So um, the NBA, excited. it's twenty four seven, three sixty five nowadays. Never that's, stops. That's the best thing about the NBA is that there is no off season. And it's crazy if if you look at the traffic on Salt City Hoops, for example, it it goes up during the off season. You know, now and May and June and July are actually our most popular months in terms of traffic into the website. People love talking and looking at what the Jazz are going to mm-hmm. do next season in order to get better, even as the Jazz did get so much better during the last two months of the season. Well, the old adage is it's more exciting to talk about what can be than actually what you're <laughs> seeing in front of you. You know, we yeah. know who we have right now on the Jazz, but ooh, what if they add this one dynamic piece? Or what happens if they package something together and add a veteran and move back in the draft and get somebody like, uh, I don't know, in a quick point guard that can actually get in the lane and cause some <laughs> that havoc. That would be nice. Wow. Well, you never know what can happen with this Jazz squad, and they're so young, and they have such potential to make a leap in the next two, three years that it's an exciting time to be a Jazz fan. And, and we've talked about this a lot, that the Jazz were the worst, had the worst point guard production of any team in the league last season. If they were able to get an upgrade from that spot, whether that be from player development from Dante Axum or I think less likely Trey Burke, mm-hmm. or by drafting someone or making e- even a trade for that number 12 spot for an established point guard in the league, our man Ben Dowsett mm. looked at the possibility of the Jazz acquiring Drew Holiday. I got some things to say to you, Ben. I got some, th- I got some things to say to you. We, uh, and and I, I do want to talk about those things, but yes. I want to hold off. L- let's, right. let's actually talk about the NBA Combine a little bit because it is, okay. it is so soon. It is. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, and then I, actually they started doing the measurements today, um, which I, I thought there were a couple of interesting results from these sort of things. And that's uh, pretty much the elite prospects. That's all they'll do, you know, right. like the top elite guys, the guys that, you know. Not even just the top elite guys, but even the whole first round. Most is of the people that Jazz are going to be looking at, yeah. that's all we're going to see, measurables. So what, the the full results have not yet been released, so they're, they're kind of leaking out, and I just kind of wanted to mention what we know right now. First of all, Kaminsky, Frank Kaminsky from Wisconsin, was actually measured as the tallest player in the draft today really? uh, at seven foot and three three quarters. Uh, I, I think that's pretty remarkable. You know, my big question with him was whether or not he could play center in the league. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be a shot blocking center. You know, he's not no. going to be a Rudy Gobert, but if you, I, I also worry about him having the lateral quickness of keeping with the NBA's power we forwards. We call that the uh, Spencer Hawes effect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we call it right there. Yeah. But if, if, if he's tall enough and, and strong enough, then I, I feel like he can play NBA center, at least uh, against backups, and all of a sudden he becomes a much more useful player than if you have mm-hmm. to play him at the four a la Andrea Bargnani, for example. Yeah, I've been looking at your uh, list and your article that you wrote yesterday, and I've got a few things jotted down and you know, okay. kind of – Take some notes on the, the players like Kaminsky that you mentioned that who the Jazz could potentially be looking at. And to me, at drafting at the 12, you either go upside or you take a player that you know is going to be a quality rotation player, even if it's a bench player. And Kaminsky, to me, is a third big in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's good, especially for a front court with Gobert and Favors, who spacing-wise might be an issue until they figure stuff out. Granted... Gobert's nifty passing and favors evolution of a player just as a whole ever since he's got into the league. 
is always is, is going to be a huge helpful thing. But at the same time, if you can add a space shooting skill big man like Kaminsky who can spread the floor a little bit and open up the lane for not only the guards but the whoever's playing alongside him favors or go go bear I think that's a very useful player I just feel if the jazz not only organization but the fan base know that's what he's going to be he's not going to be somebody that's going to elevate a team more so than being a very solid sixth seventh eighth man and maybe that's what you get in this draft and you know honestly for the number 12 pick that's that's pretty good like I, i'm mm-hmm. i'm completely solid with with that being the outcome if, if that's the case and uh, you know you can go for a, a kind of higher upside guy like a kevin looney or someone like that uh you know even if miles turner falls he's he's kind of a boomer bust sort of player but ultimately this jazz team i feel like right now needs depth and rotation level talent more than anything else i mean think about all of I the agree. All of the D League and new signings that the Jazz kind of had to turn to for major, major minutes last season. You know, at the end of the year after the Ennis Cantor trade, they really only had three bigs. Um, you know, Jeremy Evans is not someone who you want to really count on as in a big rotation role. If you were to able to get Frank Kaminsky to fill that slot, then I, you know I, I think the Jazz would be at least significantly better next season during those minutes when Rudy and Derek are not on the court. Look, I love Jingles as much as everybody, but he should not be playing 35 minutes a night. And that's where we were look that's what we were looking at, at the end of the season. Trevor Booker ideally is your fourth big if he ends up coming back with the team. And that's if he's your fourth big, you're a really you're a solid team. That's a solid rotation. You want somebody either in my opinion at the 12 a that can play the three four in small ball lineups alongside Gordon, or you want your third big. If you don't do that, I actually prefer them trade back and get a point guard with elite quickness that can cause some havoc and get in the lane because as you said earlier, Trey Burke and Dante Exum didn't show any ability to do that earlier. <laughs> right. In the earlier in their careers, even though I'm a big uh Dante Exum fan, and I believe, you know, you gotta give it to Give him a little time to breathe because, you know, he's only 19. But I'm okay with them exploring their options. There's a lot of intriguing prospects, and you never know how the draft's going to play out because you never know how teams are going to fall in love with a particular prospect or the idea of somebody's skill set because there's always a Kelly Oubre who one GM falls in love with and ends up being, you know, the Ben McLemore types that just, you know, are enticing but don't really produce on a night in night out basis. Yeah. I think what you what you want to find is you want to find that player that's going to be a long-term jazz player in the rotation in your top 7. Is that possible with a third big or is that possible with somebody that's going to be your third big as the 3-4 backup to Gordon slash you can play a little two if somebody like Alec Burks gets hurt? Maybe. Maybe because I think you have the Rodney Hood, you know, Rodney Hood there, but he's right. a two three, and that Alex is a two three. I think the three four is where they should really be targeting, because the league is moving to smaller pick and roll, switch on every pick and roll on defense. Have the ability if you you know you have Rudy Gobert, obviously it's a little bit different in in the Jazz case because there's not many Roy Hibbert, Rudy Gobert types that could one man defend the paint as well and as effective as they can. But the ability 
like the Warriors have to switch on every pick and roll and have one through four be able to guard one through four on the opposite team gives you a lot of flexibility in today's game where I think that would be my main target, the Stanley Johnsons of the world, before I go and slide back to the Kaminskys. Yeah, well, and and I guess I, I, I agree with you that I would take Stanley Johnson before Frank Kaminsky. But I also think Stanley Johnson's probably going to be gone by number twelve. Yeah, that's so that's, that's the yeah, that's, that's another thing, right? Thing. That's <laughs> another fair thing. So um, our, yeah, especially the James Looney's like that or, or Kevon Looney, Kevon yeah. Looney that I've seen in the mock drafts end up in the Jazz hands more often than not. In a perfect world, if he's there, I'm thinking the Jazz probably snatch him up. But Johnson or Looney, Looney, okay, Looney, because I think he's also a. Th- a three four four five, maybe even a three four five hybrid, depending on how small you go. Because Draymond, I mean, Draymond Green plays the five sometimes right, with the Warriors, right. you know, and that's kind of the flexibility where you're a Swiss Army knife now in the NBA. Where if you're six four to six nine, what if you have that skill set where you can do everything well? They're going to let you do everything well because they're going to have to. You're going to force the opposing coach to match up with you. I, what I do think, though, is that if you have a Frank Kaminsky, he gives you a dimension that the Jazz don't currently have, which is any sort of outside shooting yeah, at the I big position. I agree with you. I agree And with so you. that allows you to match up or kind of force your opponent to match up how they would be uncomfortable with. So, you know, if you're playing a Memphis-style team and you know maybe they're uncomfortable guarding a big man who can shoot, you, you can all of a sudden put Frank Kaminsky in there next to Derek Favors and, or Rudy Gobert and have that happen. Okay, so if you, order of preference, what do the Jazz need in your opinion this offseason? Shooting. Shooting I think is number is one. a big thing. Okay, yeah, we agree on that maybe too. Maybe better point guard play <laughs> might be number one too. Uh, but, I, but you and I are both in the let's be patient with Dante yeah. camp. Yeah. You know, you basically went from playing JV church ball to the NBA. Right. You know, in the span <laughs> in the span of, you know, a year and a half. And I think what he displayed at the Worlds with his age group gives you some sort of leniency with his development. Much, But maybe at the same time, he's a Harrison Barnes who dominated his age group up until 18 and then just turned out to be a solid rotation player. Right. And that's, you know, when I go through your list, I have some some things written down about Dante that I don't think they need to take a risk on a point guard unless it's somebody that just is pure elite quickness that can get into the lane when there's six on the Dante shot Exum. I, yes, Ideally. we've seen him put, <laughs> hit the vroom Z button on in, like the Xbox controller and just go around see, people. The thing that drives me insane about Dante is that like his yeah. YouTube videos show that all the time. Like that's that was what he was advertised and as. That's as a why prospect. I'm willing and to then be he patient. Did it like twice last season. I'm willing to be patient because we've seen it. We've seen that crazy NBA 2K speed when he wants to, but it's the flashes. Yeah, you know, there's I, you and I used to count possessions when he would just run up to the court. Uh, up the court and stand in the corner and see yeah. how many times it was in a row. We used to do that at jazz games. So I'm willing to just give him a pass on last year, let him develop, let Quinn work his magic and develop the three, four shooting and the big man getting a third big man is my top need for the jazz coming into this. Are you as willing to give Trey Burke that sort of chance? No. Okay. No, I, I know what Trey Burke is and Trey Burke is Mo Williams. On the Cavs, on the Cavs. No, no. Trey Burke is Mo Williams on the Cavs where... That was an all-star. Yes. (laughs) 
in the East when the East was really, really bad and there weren't very many guards out there. If Trey Burke is Mo Williams and he's your third guard coming off the bench and you can play him 20 minutes a night when he's not playing well and ride him 28 to 30 minutes a night when he has his... I'm going to call it off on shooting nights because, you know, he's mostly off instead of on. Mo Williams played two years with the Cavs. Sorry, I'm going to yell. At yeah. But I'll and, let you finish your point. and, you know, he played two years with the Cavs and he was. Shot 43% from three, which is better than Trey Burke has ever shot the from reason, the field. And the reason that he from got. Layups. And, and the reason they brought uh, Mo over was when he was with the Bucks, he shot like 50% from mid range on uncontested twos or something like right. that. So it, he's a scoring point guard that was going to have the balls, ball in his hand. And if he can be that and work to be the shooter we all projected him to be two years ago coming out of the draft, I am perfectly happy with Trey Burke being a part of the Jazz organization going forward if, he's accept, if he can accept that role as the third guard, which he did yeah. give him credit for in the back half of the NBA season. Yeah, I, I'm not that worried about him not accepting the role. I'm actually pretty worried about him not being good enough, even for that third point guard role. Wow. I see. I think he's, you know, what is he, 23? Yeah. 23, 22, 23. I think you let him, if he's your third guard, you know, for the next four seasons, because this is the last year of his rookie deal. They're going to pick up his option after this. So you're looking at two years guaranteed on the Jazz, and say he signs – Another three-year deal? Are you really going to improve that much on a third guard? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you are, especially <laughs> one that's taking as many shots as, Don, or as Trey is. I mean, okay. he, I, I mean, he's taking 13 shots a game at 36%. Like, you could sign nearly anybody, and they would do better than that. You could tell Elijah Millsap to go out there and shoot 13 shots per game, and he would shoot about 36.8%. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not hard to do better than that. I think the way the Jazz were trying to play in the players around him, especially when he was the leader of that second unit, had a lot to do with him. Having the ball six seconds on the shot clock, try to force something, make a yeah. badly contested, unfortunate percentage, effective percentage jump shot. I will give him that. Did we watch nights where he... Sh- should have stopped shooting after like the first <laughs> quarter. Yes, I. But at the same time, I, I've seen Trey compete. I've seen the way he's handled himself in the locker room after these tough games. I've seen his effect, his professionalism. I think that's a kid who you bet on developing into a third, a third guard. I'm not expecting okay. anything more, and I'm not saying you should pay him more than a third guard. With the cap going up, he'll probably get money to be a starter on a bad team, just like most of these guys do. Who's hop paying around. him to be a starter? There's like a team. I, there's one team out there. There's the David Cons of the world everywhere. There's gonna be the Billy Kings. There's I, gonna be somebody <laughs> out there that's gonna pay him to say, "Hey, we think you're a little bit better. You can come start for us." He put up a 12.6 PR. I know, this, I know these are the sort did. of arguments, and like shot 37 percent, worse Look, than 37. We just, know that, and we've seen it, and we're arguing he's not a starter. I yeah, and I guess that's what I'm saying is I I think that's his best case is is third guard, and I'm okay maybe losing that upside because he doesn't have you know Dante Exum has superstar upside. I think we both agree on that. Mm-hmm. I don't think Trey Burke has the sort of upside that makes you worry about maybe trading him or trading down in order to replace him. 
No, I don't. I, I agree with you there. If you lose Trey Burke, is it the end of the world? No. Yeah, I and I agree with you. It could be a simple, up, uh, quick fix of drafting a point guard that has an elite quickness to be a Dennis Schroeder or a Jeff Teague that can just get into the lane and havoc and create havoc at will. Because that's the one thing in this offense that they displayed last year that it's pretty evident they don't have yeah. when the shot clock's running out somebody get in the lane and have the defense collapse on you and create an open or at least a decent shot for somebody else or yourself they I don't have gordon that but gordon does it not off quickness he no, just does, right. does it off his herky-jerky iq start stop i'm gonna yeah. go left i'm gonna, and then i'm gonna pull up you know old man paul <laughs> pierce game yeah no, and that's right. very effective but at the same time, it'd be really nice just to see somebody beat somebody off their defender, get in the lane, have the defense collapse, and kick it out to the corner or dump it off for an easy shot more than three to four times a game. And I think Alec Burks, obviously, will, who will be returning yes. next yes. season, uh, has that game. In, he has that first step. He doesn't have the drop-off game. He doesn't have the ability to find people in the corners as much as I would like to see from him thus far. And, but he has the ability to finish shots that you don't expect him to. That, no, I and, agree. I'm not... and, yeah, it's a, it's a yin and a yang, a give and a take, and I, you never know if sitting on the bench and watching the game from a different perspective and watching these guys struggle in front of him helped him out, and maybe he you know adds a couple IQ points when he comes back yeah. next year. And I also think the system's going to benefit him watching it from a coach's perspective too. The system in place... The Jazz finally have an NBA offensive system that didn't go out of style in 2009. <laughs> so I think the it's a solid foundation the Jazz have. Yeah. A solid, solid foundation. What I would target is a 3-4 big that could be that Draymond Green, that Harrison Barnes, that rock solid piece, or a third big man that can add shooting. Okay, that'd be my top priority. If not, trade back and get a point guard with some elite quickness. And we're going to be talking in a little bit later about some of those <laughs> trade possibilities. Uh, before we go into break, though, I just want I want to overview the playoffs really quick, and then into the next segment, we'll be talking about some of these playoff series. Uh, all of the series are at either two two or three two. All of them will be at three two after tonight because the the two two games are both today. Uh, so we've got some critical game fives tonight. Washington playing Atlanta right now, currently up fifty one forty four. Uh, and then, of course, we've got Warriors-Grizzlies later on tonight at 8.30. I thought it's been interesting how these teams have split games at home. Um, mm-hmm. uh, both both the good teams, kind of the Warriors did as, as well as, as the Grizzlies. Um, Washington and Atlanta both did as well. I, I, I think that's kind of been a trend in, in the second round. Uh, and then just a little bit of slippage from the top teams. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that the Warriors series, for example, is as, cl- is as close as it is. I'm not so surprised because the Grizzlies have been beating people up with the same core for, you know, five, True. six years. And their playoff tested. They've been up 2-1. They've been down 2-1. They've been in seven-game series. You know, they were in the Western Conference Finals two years ago. Um, and I think, in all honesty, this is the last run for this version of that core. Hmm. Zebo and Tony Allen are hitting that point where they're getting to the over the hump, and so you can good, see though. the John Hollinger esque movement in that roster al- already. You got the Jeff Greens, the Courtney Lees, the 
Vince Carters to come in and kind of spread the floor a little bit and get more efficient shots around the creativity of Conley and Mark Gasol when they're healthy and when they're going right. And then you got Zebo just to do Zebo things. But at <laughs> yeah. the same time, I think, you know, this team, that team is not going to be the same next year or the year after. I think it's just going to be a little bit more of a change because at some time they're going to have to, you know, cut the cord with those guys. He, yeah. I, Tony Allen's the grind father for a reason. He's going to be <laughs> beloved in Memphis forever, but I think this is that kind of last push. And I think that locker room kind of sees, you know, the writing on the wall where maybe it's not this year, but it's next year. And they're just a year older now. Yeah. Next year. No. And, and that sort of thing happens in the NBA all the time. All right. Well, let's break down. Let's okay. go ahead and take a break. Let's all break right. down that series on the other side. Sorry. I know you've got so much to say. <sighs> We're going to, yeah, go ahead and break down the Warriors Grizzly series and Cavs Bulls on the other side. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. That is a Steph Curry Let It Be remix by I don't even. It's by somebody who made it on Reddit. That's really all I know. Is some Reddit Warriors fan of Curry's made this? The greatest Reddit Warriors fan in the history of time. There was a whole video of it. I, I made a little article of it on KSL.com, so you can check it out there if you haven't already. But like, it's it's kind of awesome. We, we might play parts of that just during the show. Because it, it, you know, it's just good to listen to. I will never hear that the normal version of that song <laughs> the same again. That's it. Steph, the Steph man. Um, he, 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 his play though is worthy <laughs> of a song rendition like that. It, it is. is. It's, it's good. That's a good much stuff. better basketball parody song than like basketball John John Stockton. That song ever was. Oh, that song is not good. Down. This song that's actually like well sung. I love basketball Jones. I got a basketball Jones. Why hasn't someone ever done anything with that? Like, like they ha- the that's the John, that's Stockton, the John one? Stockton one. Yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe you guys are ruining a classic. I feel like Chris Rock right now. They're <laughs> <laughs> ruining a classic. How dare you? How dare you do that to John and Don Stockton? <laughs> wow. Oh, that's good. Stuff. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll be playing more of that song throughout the show, just because you know I. I decide what goes on the show, and I like it. So that please somebody on Twitter link <laughs> me to the basketball John Stockton song that we were just discussing, so I can hate listen to it during the break. <laughs> please, I appreciate that. Um, we on ta- this on this Warrior series, yeah, we were we were talking about that. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I, okay, I'll be honest. I'm legitimately surprised at how close this series has been. I mean. Zach Lowe looked at it and kind of looked at and decided this is either going to be a Warrior sweep or Warriors in five. And, you know, here we are at, at a 2-2 series. Uh, I, I am surprised at how well the Memphis Grizzlies have been able to really impose their physicality on, on Golden State, who's kind of been impervious to that sort of play in the regular mm-hmm. season, at least. And Steve Kerr finally gave in and made some adjustments in game four that 
He wasn't willing to concede in the first three games of that series, and he didn't concede in all honesty all year. He stuck to his guns playing. Because he Because they won 67 games. They never lost more than two games in a row. I yeah. get it. I would have done the same thing. But his adjustments, it created that avalanche where you saw the Zach Lowe article come to life. You're like, oh, that's, yep, I see it all right here. I see what he was trying to describe. But the big adjustments I saw was he put, Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen and said, okay, just leave him in the corner. Don't go chase him. And if he ever comes in the paint, just kind of monitor him. And the rotation of uh, making sure that two out of their big four, and I count their big four as Steph, Clay, Harrison Barnes, and Draymond Green on the floor at the same time. Some combination of two of those out of the four were always on the floor at the same time for pretty much throughout that whole game. And Man, once things got rolling in that second quarter for Steph, it just he hit that three at the end of the first quarter, and it was just he was like, "Okay, here I go," and we've seen that firsthand at the Jazz right. games. It's just, I it, the oohs and the ahs that he makes the opposing crowd have. Like, granted, it's the playoffs, and they were rooting against him and booing <laughs> him, but it's it's. It's magnificent once he gets going like that. It is. It is song worthy to be sure. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. No, and honestly, I think Steve Kerr deserves a lot of credit for kind of thinking outside the box there because I don't think that's a move a lot of coaches would have made is to put Andrew Bogut, your center, on Tony Allen, your shooting guard slash yeah. forward. You know, that's that's so unconventional as to be, you know, kind of out of the mind of most NBA coaches. Yeah, to uh, be all Yogi Berra, uh, like good NBA coaches have to be stubborn enough to be stubborn and also smart enough to realize when you got to change something because you, you, they're looking at their first three game losing streak of the year last last night and you know, all of a sudden you, you saw that 67 win team kind of organically develop and clay got going for the first time in the series and it's you know they just go so fast and they're just such a good jump shooting team and they space the floor so well and Harrison Barnes has been so steady that once Clay and Steph and Draymond kind of shook whatever rust or grindfather <laughs> voodoo were on top of them, it just, you know, those 8-0 runs, they just, you know, stack upon one another. And next thing you know, you're looking at a 17-point lead and the Grizzlies just aren't built for that. They're just not. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, let's move on to Cavs Bulls and, and uh, talk about some LeBron heroics. Um, first what, of all... What our boy Ben tweet out let, uh, yesterday, let the king be the king or yeah. something like that. Uh, LeBron is his favorite player, and yeah. so you let him be his, you know... He's right, though. He's, he's, the king's he's the right. king. Yeah. I mean, so in game four, I mean, just a ridiculous performance. 38 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and then... And, remarkably zero turnovers for how much he had the ball in his hands. Uh, and then, of course, a chase down block to kind of mm -hmm. stop that Bulls run. They had, were down up to 17 in that fourth quarter and went on a run to make that game close. And so, uh, you know, obviously he's best player in the league. I, I don't think Still he is. He's come back to earth a little bit. He's hit that 30-year-old mark where he's more human than he was three years ago. You just have to admit it. You know, the Kirk Goldsberry article is really good today on Grantland mm -hmm. about – showing you the percentages on the floor, but also the system's different than what he's been used to and where in Miami where they took him to a whole another team. And say what you will about 
loving Kyrie and their individual greatness, but he has to carry more of a burden than he had in the previous four years with Wade and Bosch by his side. I think and just can, because those other two are injured. I mean, I it, injured and also the system that Blatt's put around them this year hasn't necessarily taken taken advantage of all of their individual greatness in yeah. team set. It's kind of like the first year of Miami yeah. where they were, you know, a, a group of individuals who hadn't quite figured out how their strengths played off one another. Their bread yet. and butter plays to be, you know, a uh, set up Bosch at the elbow and run right. action and cutting and then Wade and LeBron would take turns. Um, but LeBron just, he's still bar none, the best player in the world, but listen to these numbers. He is shooting more field goals than ever in the playoffs. 24 huh. field goal attempts this year. Okay. And per he's game? per or, game. Wow. And he's making okay. less than he has since his third year in the or third trip to the playoffs in 2007, 2008 at 43%. It's his third worst shooting percentage ever. He's making 16% of his three-point field goals that he's taking, and he's taking five a game. That's not – he's carrying more burden, and he's less effective than he has been in any standpoint in his career. Yes, how can you knock a guy when he puts up a 38, 12, and 6, or 5, <laughs> or whatever? But at the same time, I think the margin of error because of his his teammates, his supporting cast is a li- is – it's less than it's ever been, especially with even the East is, you know, you look at who he's going to have to beat the next, the Chicago one more time or whoever else comes out of that Hawks wizard series. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. I don't think it's the most difficult East he's played against. No, no, but I think it's his worst supporting cast, especially not there since that first year with Miami or I guess you could say any year before Miami when he was with Cleveland still. Well, and we should point out to the, the listening audience that you are a gigantic oh, Dwayne Wade fan. I'm a homer, so gigantic you, homer. Like, Dwayne Wade may have been the best player on those teams. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, no, you, of course you he love wasn't. Dwayne Wade more than anything. And I else. have my Kyrie so. versus Dwayne Wade stats ready to go, Angie. I see you mentioning <laughs> this on Twitter. Yeah. LOL. There's your LOL for you, too. Um, but... I it, the injury to Kyrie's a real thing too. Kyrie hasn't played well, you know, for a full duration of a game in quite some time. Yeah. And you he, look he at, looks really, really hobbled. Yeah, he's only shooting forty two percent from the field, three assists, and two turnovers. Two turnovers a game, averaging just over twenty points per game. Um, it's interesting. It reminds me of two thousand and twelve. Scott hurt. And uh, Wade and LeBron went nuts, and Spo created that small ball dynasty that kind of evolved to be their natural calling. Um, Kyrie and Blatt have the same opportunity, but Kyrie just looks so hobbled. He just does not look like any like sixty five percent. Would you say of the athlete that he you know normally was throughout the year? Yeah, maybe I mean, something. Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, he, he's basically most effective as like a a corner three point spacer at this point, mm-hmm. rather than as a a play creator. It is kind of sad to watch because I think this team could be so much fun if Kyrie was healthy. Um, by the way, just kind of some semi-breaking news. Um, Tony Allen, Grizzly small forward, ruled out for game five tonight against the Warriors. So wow. that um, does make tonight's series different. But at the well, very least, Bogut won't be able to get... Won't be able to guard him. Let's put it that way. Whole lot of Air Canada coming your way, Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very true. I, one of Steph or Clay is probably going off tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break and talk about the other two series on the other side of the break. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, so in case you missed the last segment where we featured that song, that is a, a fan made song by uh, a Warriors fan posted on Reddit today. Um, just, you know. Letting letting your feelings about Steph Curry come come out. It's a big year for Steph Curry and uh, mentions in the musical world. That one much better than the Drake mention earlier this year. <laughs> Chef Curry with the wrist. Nope, nope. That one takes the cake. Well done, Reddit. Yeah, well done. If you if you're putting together a whole two minute song where like it's that well sung and that but anyway. That's it. I remain just incredibly. That's impressed. my next karaoke night right there. That's what that is. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that should be on every karaoke machine in every bar in, in the city, If it's right? not already in San Francisco and Oakland and the greater Golden State surrounding area, then I don't know what's happening out there. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be huge. Yeah, it should be. Like, just listen to it, and it puts you in a good mood. You can't help but smile. And probably next time you watch Steph, you know, do some warm-ups, you're going to be like, all right, Steph Curry, Steph Curry, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Can we just play it over the the not the, the jumbotron speakers? I guess at Energy Solutions, just when they warm up. I mean, that might great. be a little bit too pro, Steph. Though. Ah, yeah, but see that that would be my role. I think that's a big thing for in like arena DJs. It's your job to mess with the opposing team. Like when the Minnesota played like Kenny G yeah. and the jazz and stuff like that's it. That's what you should be doing. That's, that's your role. Like whenever Reggie Bush was playing at my opposing stadium, that like Ray J song would have been playing the whole time. Yeah. Like that's it. That's, that's it. You gotta mess, you with, gotta the mess with the opposing team. Yeah. That, that really doesn't happen enough. <sighs> it's all positive. We need more negative. I mean, don't pipe in booing, but just, no. you know, like, no, no, no. mess with them a little bit. Just tweak. That and just, like, you know, especially in Utah, bring the music into, like, the 2010 era. Like, that's <laughs> that's another big beef that I have. I'm trying to take over the stuff at the Riot right now. Uh-huh. Trying to, you know, be in negotiations with some, uh, with some folks that currently have control mm. over that. But, come on, if the music selection predates 1984... Like it's you know like we gotta cut the cord at some point. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Like you can you can find some clean versions of some songs everybody likes. I don't care. Just like just limit it to three Taylor Swift songs. That's all I ask. <laughs> that's all I ask. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about this Clippers Rocket series. Um, th- th- there's been some some talk, and and quite frankly, I I don't disagree that this is a terribly boring series of basketball. That that maybe. <laughs> Such not people uh, people are not excited to tune into and I, I don't think I blame them like Hackashack Hackaday Andre and Hack Dwight Howard is is not fun to watch no uh the the James Harden ball is is sometimes fun to watch I think it's a little bit more fun than people give him credit for yeah but ultimately like it, it it's just a weird mix of teams that are not all that likable yeah it's it has been tough to watch 
you kind of know what the Rockets are going to do, but they've been doing it all season long, and they do it well. And they're going to spread you out, and they're going to let James Harden do James Harden things and draw fouls or create assists or you know dump it off to Dwight on the occasional pick and roll, even though for some reason he doesn't like pick and rolls. But yeah, he's the series. Yeah, but he you know Harden leads the playoffs with eight point five assists per game, so he's got the ball in his hands and he's you know the de facto point guard. But he's losing the battle to you know. Chris Paul in two and a half games, and then Blake Griffin, the other two, where they've been the creators and the dynamic forces, and they just, the Rockets just haven't looked good. They haven't looked clean. They yeah. haven't looked like the shots that they made all year, kind of like the Hawks, just aren't following, aren't falling in this series. It's true. And, and I do think that they, that the Clippers are defending it better. You know, I, I think kind of more of their downfall than the Hawks has been has been better defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in particular, Ben pointed this out last week with Harden on pick and roll. It seems like they're blitzing Harden right as he goes around that pick and roll better than any other team has done um, on a consistent basis. Then, of course, game five kind of notwithstanding, right, with Harden's yeah. triple-double. Even though he seemed to be sick going into that game, uh, actually got an IV for <laughs> him to, again, for him to step up to the plate and... You know, he's, it's too late for him to make his case for MVP, but he's he's just a very very. For good those player. that didn't watch the Rockets game in and game out, if you just look at that roster for them to be the two seed and win as many games as they did, that's how good James Harden was all year. Yeah, and uh, the difference between what I always notice with the Clippers is good wings destroyed them. They went at the JJ Reddicks and the. Matt Barnes, and they got what they wanted mm-hmm. consistently. And then the way it went to the bench, it got even worse. Who is going to take advantage of that wing matchup on the Rockets? Yeah, they don't. That's, I mean, they, Trevor Reza is yeah, not that player. Trevor Reza is not that player. And whoever, you know, Corey Brewer is not that player. No. You know, Jason Terry coming off the bench isn't going to scare you. Yeah, <laughs> like you're looking at a case of ineptitude or like a battle of the least in Jason Terry and Austin Rivers. And Austin Rivers was somehow won that matchup. You never thought that coming off the bench, he'd be a bigger difference maker than... You know, outside of the I can't pronounce because I'm going to slaughter his name. But, like, really, the bench hasn't been the difference. Yeah, Papa Nicolau, is that what yeah, you're talking about? something like that. Costas Papa Nicolau. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, you're right. I, I was really close. Um, let me move on to Hawks-Wizards really quick because, first of all, that game's going on right now. It's 64-63. Last time we mentioned that score, the Hawks were down 10. They're now down just one, although they just blew an alley pretty badly. Um, <laughs> so we've the great got wall. 937 left in the fourth quarter in that game. Not a high-scoring game thus far, but uh, at least a close one, so we'll, we'll give them that. Uh, Paul Pierce has been kind of ridiculous in the series, at least with with the clutch shots. Uh, he had in, in the last two games, he's got one made and one missed buzzer beater. Um, so you know, it's not often that you have that opportunity to, to one to win and then one that he missed that would have, I believe, tied it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, I mean, the series is again. It's just weird how the so much of it depends on John Wall's health. And he was able to play today uh, and has actually looked really good for parts of this game. Mm-hmm. But if he's not at full strength, it's just really hard to <laughs> it's really hard for the Wizards to do what they do just because they are so dependent on one player. Unlike the Hawks, who have their whole starting five to, to really count. On. Wall has really developed as a player since he got taken number one in the draft. But at the same time, him just going down full speed and then kicking it out to somebody open in the corner still might be their best offensive play. Yeah, like he really 
really is. His athleticism is a game changer. Uh, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter, when they're all right, when you realize how young they are, that's a pretty solid nucleus. And Especially Otto Porter's the way happening. Otto, he looked like the number three pick of the draft. What? Like You're like, what? <laughs> that, that's him? And he's only 22. Uh, it's nice to see Bradley Beal return to form after an up. I think also as the emotional leader, you know, I hate that kind of tried and true sports guy. It's all about art and stuff like that. But, you know, his athleticism and just being out on the floor and creating those athletic advantages, maybe, you know, a handful of times when he's not 100% healthy, it could be the difference in a series that's been pretty evenly Evenly matched and yeah. ugly. Ugly. Yeah, it really no, has been ugly. You're absolutely right. All right, so we've got to take a break. On the other side, we've got Dan Clayton joining us to talk about the playoffs as well as the Jazz draft situation. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Hawks are... Completely scoreless in the fourth quarter of this game, so that's that's not going well. I, I'm going to go ahead and bet that if they are indeed scoreless for the rest of the fourth quarter, they will lose. Of course, that's not that hard to say, given that they are down seven points, uh, 70-63 right now. Hashtag analysis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what they pay us to do here, is to say... You know, if the Hawks score no points, they're not going to win the game. Uh, Charles Barkley's proud of you right now. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Someone who's better than at analysis than either uh, Tyler or I is Dan Clayton, another writer on SaltCityHoops.com, one of our favorite guests. He'll also be covering the NBA Draft Lottery live from us, uh, live from New York City for Salt City Hoops on May 19th. Dan, we're so excited to have you on the show. Live from New York, it's Tuesday night. Uh, <laughs> well, it's Wednesday night tonight, but that's what I'll be saying at the lottery next on, week. On Tuesday. I'm still going to laugh at that joke when you do it. Do you mean- Okay, I will. I'll, I'll <laughs> for sure throw that one in. How are you guys doing? Good. So, uh, first of all, let, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, last year you went, and it, it's just basically like hanging in a TV studio is what you told me. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's unlike any um, NBA event I've ever covered because, and, and last year it was even worse because the media had to wait in this room off to the side, so we didn't even have access to. So basically, what's happening is like they're just filming a TV show. Basically, like they've already done the actual drawing that counts in a in a different room, um, and Dennis Lindsay was part of that drawing, and then they come out and you know they set up the stage and. Everybody sits up there with their lucky charms and their bow ties and their thick glasses and whatever else. And and the media is not even there for that. And then, you know, they wrap up taping and they open the doors and then the media rushes in. This year I was I was reading through and it looks like we will actually be sort of like up in the balcony above the proceedings. So that will, I guess, help to some degree. Uh, You'll get yeah, to watch just, the same TV show as the rest of us, I guess. So, right, and I'll get to watch it, um, you know, like actually live played out before me. But, uh, but yeah, it's just it's weird because, you know, I'm used to covering things where, like, actual news happens and not just staged nonsense for a TV show. But that's okay. <laughs> it's, it'll be cool. And, and uh, you know, the Jazz have a 2.5% chance of getting really lucky. So fingers crossed. Uh, do you are you going to bring your thick glasses for good luck for Utah? I I would appreciate that. If you guys want, I will wear a bow tie. Uh, yes, uh, all right. I, I think you have to, right? I mean, there's 
There's something about lucky bow ties. That's a thing. I didn't just make that up, right? <laughs> well, uh, you know, the the child of Dan Gilbert. Yeah, uh, Cleveland made it a thing. And obviously the Cavs have uh, have gotten many first-round picks. So They've you know. benefited from that bow tie and thick glasses combo, so you yeah, might as well. Yeah, I think I own like two bow ties. I can pull one out of the, uh, the old mothballs. All right, say the Jazz don't get that number one pick. <laughs> um, what is the most important thing that they should target in your mind? Ooh, um, that's a good question, only because I'm pretty torn between two things that I think are of equal importance right now. Um, I think they pretty obviously need a third big that's more of a skilled big, um, someone who can, who can shoot and, importantly, can pass. Um, you know, obviously Trevor Booker has had a nice night here and there, but I don't think anybody is tricking themselves into thinking that he's, you know, the next iteration of Pau Gasol. Not that the Jazz are going to get the next iteration of Pau Gasol in the draft or in free agency, you know, like that, that kind of thing doesn't grow on trees. Uh, but I think that that would be an important thing, a, a third big that can um, space a little since with Favors and Gobert starting, you don't have a whole bunch of spacing in your starting front court. Uh, and then the other thing, obviously, is, um, you know, whether it's internal improvement or, you know, voodoo or whatever it is, the Jazz have to improve their, their point guard play. I think they're banking on a lot of that being, you know, just the difference from, you know, first-year Exum to second-year Exum. Um, and we'll see how much faith they still have in, in Trey Brooks' trajectory and in where he could go. But it seems pretty clear that, that whether it's those two guys improving or, or doing some things in late June or early July, the Jazz have to address the point guard production full stop, you know? Yeah, and I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of on your side there where you have to do something to address it. Like, you know, I, I think there's something, you're putting too much faith, I guess, in Dante Exum improvement in order to for them to just say that's all you're going to be doing. To me, I think you have to make an acquisition there at the point guard spot, whether that be a draft pick or I think more likely a trade acquisition. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Ben wrote that great article yesterday about the Drew Holiday idea, and I think something like that makes sense for the Jazz. Now, I mean, I, I do think, well, so so you can you can come back hoping that Exum is markedly better next year, and I think that on a level that that's fair. And you look at the Rudy Gobert's and the Giannis Antetokounmpo's of the world, and you say, okay, you know, occasionally it happens that these super raw guys who who come without a lot of high level basketball experience, but with tons of raw ability, you know, that second year is the year where things start to slow down and they get it. But for every Giannis and Rudy, there's, you know, a dozen or so guys that that doesn't happen with. So I'm kind of with you. I, I think, you know, unless they expect Trey Burke to suddenly be a 43% field goal shooter, and, and, I'm, and I'm not sure that that's <laughs> realistic to expect at this point, you almost feel like that's a position that they, that they have to do something with. And, and since we know that most rookies do not play net positive basketball right out of the gate, especially rookies in the middle of the first round, I think it's safe to say that that it might be the free agency market or the trade market where the Jazz have to address that particular need. Even if that means, you know, potentially waving goodbye to a player that has obviously ingratiated himself to fans and, and been a stand-up guy and a true professional in, in Trey. 
Let's dive into that because we got in a little bit of a discussion <laughs> earlier in the show. I, oh, nice. I think we're all in the camp I'm of... I'm feeling the fire. Yeah, Maybe. no, we're all in the camp of giving Dante the benefit of the doubt. You know, he went from, I think I said, playing JV church ball to the NBA, you know, in a span mm-hmm. of a year and a half. But uh, with Trey Burke, do you see him being a jazz fixture for the next two to five years as a third guard do you see him developing to the point of being that seventh man off the bench who's a scoring point guard um or do you think no or or do you think that you've seen enough and you'd rather try your hand at something else say, a point guard with elite quickness that can actually get into the paint and collapse a defense? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I want to say I've seen enough, quote-unquote, because, you know, Trey's a a good guy and he works hard and he probably will still get better, um, you know, in absolute terms. But let's say, you know, let's say he does get better in all the areas that we've talked about. Let's say he gets, you know, incrementally better at, defense which has has been a you know a rough spot for him because of his size and his lack of athleticism and lateral quickness and let's say he he starts slowly inching that percentage up from the field and from the three-point line um i mean i'm really trying to like within the realm of realistic improvements he could make i'm not sure any of those really change his profile to the point where you say like oh my goodness this guy is way better than you know a a rotational an end of the rotation bench point guard and if and if that's the case i'm i'm just not sure um i'm just not sure why you continue to invest um you know minutes developmental opportunities if there truly are opportunities out there to get a, a you know I, ben's example was drew holiday but let's you know more, like throw any name in there. If you can get a George Hill, if you can get a Gravis Vasquez, if you can get any of those guys who could actually come in and give you a little bit more like guaranteed table stakes um, to to kind of help steady the ship while Exum's on his growth curve. Um, I'm just, you know, in case you can't tell, I'm trying to not come right out and say it because I like Trey Burke, but I, I just, I'm, I'm questioning um, whether the Jazz want to keep their cart tied to that horse. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you don't mind, let me. I want to move on to this these playoffs uh, with you, and in particular, I don't know if you've been watching this Hawks uh, Wizards game, but all of a sudden the Hawks are coming back. They're now down only a point, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> and including a Corver three from way downtown. What do you make of the Hawks kind of struggling thus far? Because I mean, especially with their ties to the Jazz. I mean, obviously three former Jazz players in that vaunted starting five. Um, but they they struggled thus far and are struggling tonight to to make their shots. Is that just kind of the playoff intensity turning up, or is that just kind of unlucky variance that all of a sudden they're missing shots in May that they made in January and February? Yeah, I think it's a little bit too protracted now to where we can just say unlucky variance. Um, I do try to get you know, like it's funny listening to just the narratives develop over the course of the playoffs because if you you know if you sort of swing with the pendulum of public opinion it leads you to do crazy things like, you know, one day last week it was like, what's wrong with the Golden State Warriors? And then like 24 hours later, oh, the Golden State Warriors are, you know, 
going to wrap this thing up in a hurry and get the title. And it's, you know, when one game can change the, the swing that much, yeah. I try to not get sucked into like these, these rapid, like bipolar movements and opinion. I do think that, um, you know, we've, we've talked about all along the, the Atlanta Hawks style is a style that is really suited to pile up regular season wins. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me that in the crucible of the playoffs, a team that really doesn't have, you know, they're, they're a starless team. They've got a lot of very, very good players, but they're a team that, like, even when the NBA wanted to give them the player of the month uh, award, they couldn't decide which one because they're basically just this, like, super flat uh, unit, and so they wound up getting a five-man player of the month award. And I think that's representative of, of Atlanta's strengths, but I think it's also representative of the fact that, um, you know, playoff basketball sometimes is about different things. And I, and I hate to go back to, you know, these, um, these time-tested um, axioms that everybody says and nobody bothers to prove or, or quantify, but, you know, really, truly, if you take a, if you take a playoff series and you put two teams in a draft pool, if one of the teams has, you know, the two or three best players in, in that draft uh, it, or, or in that imaginary draft, I mean, it's pretty hard to beat a team in the, in the playoffs with all the adjustments and the back and forth. Um, and, you know, schemes matter, but they only matter so much because you're, sa- you're playing the same team seven, seven straight times. So, you know, there are only so many chess moves you can do before it just comes down to, you know, Who's your best guy, and is he going to make the shots that our best guy is or isn't going to make? And um, having said that, I, I think Atlanta's better than they look right now. I really think they are. I, I think that there's a chance that they wind up in the finals. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but, uh, but I'm also not surprised to see them. Um, just like I'm not surprised to see Golden State struggle a little bit. That's another team that I guess has a, you know, a similar profile in terms of, not that they don't have a star. They have a star, but just a team that, that – uh, that is reliant on some of the same things that Atlanta is. Well, but then isn't that, Dan, the same sort of things that the Spurs were relying on last season and, and you know, sure. the season before that, right? I mean, they're building their model on, on a championship model that, you know, the Spurs have used to great success for years and years. Uh, why is it not, why did it work for San Antonio, but not Atlanta and to some extent not for Golden State over the last, say, three games? Well, collectively. Oh, totally sp- fair. Um, and, and, you know, it's a copycat league. So, when a team sees something that works for one team, you, you suddenly see a bunch of different squads try to, try to emulate that. San Antonio took this super democratic approach last year, and it was another team that, you know, towards the end of that series when you were trying to figure out who was going to be the finals MVP, there were a lot of varying opinions because, you know, Boris Diaw did certain things really well. Kawhi Leonard had a coming out party. Tim Duncan was Tim Duncan, et cetera. But but it was it was like this very even, um, you know, this very even situation and team. But if you look historically, not a lot of teams have won that way. And I think the reason it worked for San Antonio is because um, a they did some things defensively with Miami that not a lot of people had done, and, and b that it's so ingrained in their DNA, and, and that it was a culture established over time that some of those some of those decisions. You know, I've always said about the Spurs, one of the things I love about them is that five guys, at any, at any given moment, they have five guys on the court that are empowered to make basketball decisions. And I don't know that Atlanta has built that just yet. I don't know that Golden State has built that just yet. But obviously, that model is in vogue right now, and it's sexy, and I, and I like it, and it's certainly what the Jazz are building. 
but it does take time to get to a point where some of those decisions are just second nature like they were for last year's Spurs. And I would say collectively the Spurs talent is another level or echelon above what the Hawks have on their roster as of today. Sure, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think, again, if you put all the Hawks and all the Spurs in a big expansion draft, I think you're probably taking, you know, if we're not talking about drafting for the future and if you're just basing it off of who do you want on your pickup team, on your pickup game today, you're probably taking at least Tim Duncan and Kawhi Leonard before you're taking any Hawks, right? Yeah, and then you go Al Horford, and then it's kind of a mishmash of whoever yeah. else you find yeah. suitable to your team. Then, yeah. I mean, Kyle Korver is really important because of the gravity that he commands and, and that kind of thing. Paul Almost Millsap, yeah. another all-star year. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it does. It gets, it gets a little murky in there, but, but I think you're right. I think, again, San Antonio, it's easy to say that they took the Democratic route to a title, and, and they did, but they also have some generational talents, especially Timmy. Are you bored with Clippers uh, Rockets? <laughs> I, I asked ter- uh, Taylor this question earlier, and you know, like I, I've heard this from multiple, especially casual NBA fans, that they just tune in and and they're bored by what they see. Bored, but but I'm watching that series very differently than I'm watching others, mostly because I don't give a, like I seriously couldn't care less who wins most <laughs> series. Um, even though I'm trying to watch objectively, I sort of have my natural. You know, that's a team who I can get behind. That's a team whose philosophy I believe in and whose players I like. Um, Houston and the Clippers are kind of two teams that I'm at best ambivalent towards. (laughs) But watching it is sort of like, okay, one of these teams gets to go to the conference finals. Let's see who it is. Um, But but I will say that I think, um, and I've written about this, Andy, on Salt City Hoops, I, I do think that Houston's offensive dogma bugs me enough I think their whole identity as a team is like the, the gross oversimplification and misapplication of, of analytical tropes that it, that it makes analytics look stupid as a concept, and, and that offends me, that bothers me, that they're a team that makes it look, you know, that makes people say, oh, see, analytics guys don't know what they're talking about because look at, the, look at the Rockets that never take any mid-range jumpers, and it kills them. It killed them against the Blazers last year, and um, it might kill them against the Clippers this year. So I, I guess that bothers me slightly more than the Clippers' personalities bother me. So all told, I'm, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting series. I'm not bored with it, but it's a series that I'm having a hard time getting emotionally invested in one way or the other. You're hate-watching. You, you just just flat out say it. You're hate watching. That's what you. I doing. mean, a little bit. Like, like, I mean, I, so I've never hated Chris Paul. I've never hated Blake Griffin. I've never hated Doc. But those are three people that are very easy to just be irked by when you turn on the TV at any given moment. And you know, I've started tweeting with the hashtag DocFace whenever he does one of his. I just you know swallowed a sour lemon drop face. Uh, it. I mean, they're just. They're an easy team to, if hate is too strong a word, they're an easy team to be annoyed by. So I'm guessing you don't drive a Kia, you don't use State Farm, and you don't like sours, <laughs> lemon heads. All right, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, but uh, you think the Clippers give the Warriors the biggest challenge in the next series if we're looking forward to that Western Conference Finals, right? Uh, out of the Clippers and the Rockets, for yes. sure, yeah. Um, I think, I think, again, the Rockets, 
the Rockets' oversimplification just makes them an easier team to to scheme against. Um, they also have James Harden, and so you know that doesn't mean they're an easy team to guard because they have a generational offensive talent. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just, you know, it's hard to be in the playoffs for seven games and figure out how to stay creative against a team, even when you have the whole court available to you. But when you have as this you know, rigid tenet that certain parts of the floor are off limits. It, it just, I, I don't think that helps you. And, uh, and yeah, matchup wise, I, I think, um, I think the Clippers, um, the Clippers have the matchups to make a series against the Warriors interesting, especially the Chris Paul and Steph Curry matchup just seems. Oh, did, did we, we lose, lose him? Did we lose Dan? I, I'm here. Oh, okay, there you good. are. Sorry, we just oh, sorry, lost sorry. you for a few seconds. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I was just saying, I think especially the Chris Paul-Steph Curry uh, matchup I think will be intriguing, but I don't think we should um, just go ahead and give it to Golden State yet. I I think really? that Memphis-Golden State is going to have an interesting end to the series. I, I don't think that that one's over. Yeah, I, I'm curious as that as well. By the way, everyone, this is Dan Clayton, Salt City Hoops writer joining us on the line. Uh, I'm curious what you think, and I was asked this today, and and I'm going to put you on the spot just like I was put on the spot. How many teams out of the eight remaining can legitimately win the NBA title? Uh, Wow. I I think right now it's as open as it has ever been. I don't necessarily believe in Washington a ton. I don't believe in Houston at all, like we just sort of talked about. Yeah. Um, And... And I don't know. I mean, like I, I do think Chicago could probably get it done, except that their late game execution has been so poor. But I, it looks like they're not going to get past Cleveland, so it's not going to matter. So I'd probably say five at this point. Okay. Yeah, okay. Chicago's just been bad late in games. Just bad, bad. It's like the classic problem with the Bulls, right? Like, is that their offense chugs to a halt, and that's kind of in the end they can't score when when they need to, you know, and especially with Pau Gasol out and he's marked mm-hmm. as probable for game six, but they've benefited a lot from his post-up opportunities, even though that's not the most efficient offensive set, it still gives them something when they have nothing. And yep. so often during the series, especially without Pau, they've had nothing in their offensive chances. He's their security blanket. And mm-hmm. then if worst case scenario, you run a pick and roll with either Jimmy and Derek Rose, and hopefully those two bail you out. And that's, and it's without power, it's the safety blanket's gone. Yep. Nope, yeah, well, exactly it especially right. hurt them last night because they, you know, and um, and then Taj got tossed. So, you know, not having power definitely hurt them last night. I just think, you know, it's it, like even just the decision-making late. It's not even the execution. It's the decision-making. Um, you know, multiple things last night, um, you know, hurried shots and in fact they had there were two times one in the mid third quarter and one in that final minute where they had a chance to tie or take the lead and both times wall rushed a a little lane floater runner thing that that didn't go either time the second one was the one that that lebron blocked that great chase down block by lebron um and then there was a timeout by tibbs that he took with 47 seconds left when they were still down to and i you know i wondered why are you taking a timeout to inbound the ball on your baseline. Yeah. When when you're still down, like in a minute, you're going to need that timeout to stop, you know, like if you don't score and you need to advance the ball, which, by the way, happened, like they wound up <laughs> in the final 10 seconds needing a timeout. Um, and then, I, like that Jimmy Butler three attempt, I, 
could not have been worse. That was an awful, awful shot. They yeah. had time to where if they used a little bit of clock, they would have had a perfect two-for-one and two for one lined up. Um, they didn't need a three there, and, and his look in particular was just, it was awful, it was bad, it was ill-timed, and that's what I mean. Like, they just sort of come apart late in games. Um, that's the only reason that I sort of question their ability to, to win a title in a year as wide open as this plus the fact that I think they're probably getting closed out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. All right, Dan, well, we got to let you go. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Dan Clayton, everyone. Tell everyone where we can find your work, both, I guess, on Salt City Hoops and Twitter. Yeah, uh, well, Salt City Hoops is the is the easiest place. Twitter, I'm Dan Clayton with a zero for the O, so Dan, C-L-A-Y-T, zero N. Um, and then I write a little bit at, at bballbreakdown.com, but haven't really started with a full head of steam yet. More coming soon there. Cool. Well, I'm excited for more of your work both there and at Salt City Hoops. Thanks again, Jan, or Dan, yep, for joining thanks. us. I'm excited to see your selfie with the bow tie and thick rim glasses <laughs> at the NBA draft. That's, that needs to happen, by the way. That needs to become a guaranteed thing. We need to pressure him once yeah. it gets a little bit closer. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, a couple <laughs> of score updates. We've got Atlanta 78, Washington 76 with a minute 10 left in that game. So... All of a sudden, that's been really close. The The Hawks went on a 14-0 run to make that to get a five-point lead, and then Paul Pierce hit a gigantic three. Um, and then in hockey land, we've got Stanley Cup wow. overtime, game seven. Covering it all. One one. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I will watch. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I do like hockey, and especially like going into a game seven overtime, winner takes all, you know, that, it's it's a special that was moment our, for us. Yeah, that was right? our Ben shout out because you know that he's somewhat <laughs> paying attention, that hockey nerd that he is. Yeah. So you know that's our uh, version of pouring one out for Ben. Right there. <laughs> that's our hockey shout out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we want to talk more about the Utah Jazz uh, and talking about some of these players available around where the Jazz will be drafting. Uh, you know, there's a 94% chance that the Jazz will be drafting number 12 come uh, the end of June. And then, of course, we also want to talk about some trade possibilities. Who could they get in a potential trade? You know, looking at some of the names like George Hill, Drew Holiday, and maybe who else? Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoop Saturday show. We're trying to watch basketball here. Do we really have to do a radio show? Damari Carroll! Damari Carroll with a two-point layup. What is that? Did I say Saturday show? Uh, today's Wednesday. One of these days, <laughs> Salt City Hoop show, ESPN 700. I'm so glad that today, I know what day it is. I wasn't even close. Anyway, uh, so Atlanta, I just was excited about basketball. Atlanta got the steal. Damari Carroll finished the layup. And they are now up 80-78 with 15 seconds left. Commercial break. We're going to be watching that a little bit as we talk about the Jazz. <sighs> we will. We, we, do, we just like the live basketball too much. It's the playoffs. You yeah. Know, if I can go all HP basketball on you, it's <laughs> the second round playoffs. It's been fun. <laughs> it's, we were talking about it. Uh, Wizards going into tonight 11-41 without John Wall. 1-2 in this series. Uh, you need him. Yeah. 14 seconds. The truth. Paul Pierce. Um, just turned it over. Interesting. That's true. It's interesting. They, they, that's the reason they brought him here, right? Late, yeah. late possession. So basketball. 15 seconds left. You go, <sighs> do you, A, put the ball in Paul Pierce or John Wall's hands? And B, do you go for a two or a three? I get, put the ball in John Wall's hands early 
and have him penetrate, look for a lane. If he can, kick it out to Beal, Porter, or uh, The Truth. And if not, reset and let Paul live or die at the end. Because you got to go early. If you miss, you got you get the yeah. two-point game, go early. Yep. You, go with, if worst case scenario, you foul and you hope they miss one. You go with seven or eight chance. on the clock? I'd go, Maybe a little bit earlier? Yeah, I'd go earlier and then just test your luck. If you make it, you tie it. If you go up by one, you just say, all right, we're at least we're up or at least we're tied. See, so. what's great about calling plays in these sort of situations on the radio is that like you look like a genius mm-hmm. if you get it all right. And if you don't get it right, <laughs> then you know there are a multitude. There are millions and millions of potential basketball plays. How could you possibly have expected to get it right? And I'm, trust me, I am definitely going to critique whatever doesn't <laughs> happen. So, no, I'm just kidding. The whole goal is to look like a genius 24-7. Uh, we haven't quite got there, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Here we go. Inbound play. Yeah. <laughs> Porter to John Wall. And there he goes. Oh, oh! So... Atlanta had a foul to give. I, I'm not sure how much play-by-play I'm really doing here, but Atlanta had a foul to give, gave it to John Wall, 12.4 seconds left. Looked like he may have gotten a shot off, but probably is not going to be given to him, let, let's be honest. This is, yeah, that's this the is Chris the Ball tried yeah. to fling it up when he <laughs> getting <laughs> fouled the backcourt. Yeah, uh, so, but, yeah, you know, you look at Washington going back home, you can go back up 3-2, opportunity to close it out. Yeah. Especially and there it is, going for the three. three. Oh, oh, he makes it. He's so big. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Think about it. And that's what they did. Oh, John wow. Wall went early and kicked it out yep. to Pierce in the corner. Tyler Gibbons, everybody. A brilliant I, man. No, I just sat in one too many Quinn Snyder press conferences. <laughs> 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 I paid attention, Quinn. Don't give me the devil stare next time I see you. I promise. <laughs> All right, so eight seconds left in that game. Atlanta's down one. We were supposed to talk about the Jazz in this segment. Let, let's talk about them during the timeout at least all a right. little bit, all right? Um, Ideally, um, I know Chad Ford has their grade A mock scenario going up right now. Mm-hmm. If grade A scenario for you, what happens in the Jazz draft? I, I think I would prefer a trade. Really, I, I I do I, I because I think that the Jazz have enough young talent at literally every position, oftentimes too deep. I th- you know you've got two young point guards, two young shooting guards, two young small forwards, uh, and then probably one each at Favors and Gobert. Booker's youngish, but mm-hmm. what's your trade target? What are you looking for? So I'm looking for either someone who can make a difference at the point guard position and play 20 to 25 minutes a night as hopefully Dante improves. If Dante does improve, then you play him 20 minutes a night. And if you if Dante doesn't improve, then you play him 30 minutes a night. Okay. So someone who can fill that role at the point guard spot or a th- better third big man. Okay, so are we talking trade out of the first round, back yeah. in the first round, collect as many assets as possible? Because the bottom of the first round future of this draft first is, round. is not good. Okay. The, the, yeah, I mean, and the Jazz have more first-round picks than anybody. By the way, uh, Dennis Schroeder just went to the rim. Al Horford rebounds. Wow. Gets the go-ahead points with 1.9 no seconds left. No timeouts for Washington. Washington. Passes it in. Wall dribbles it up. Half-court shot. No good. Atlanta takes the game, 82-81. All right. That was a quick transition. Well done. That was some Mike Breen stuff. Right <laughs> that was really well done. I think that is my first ever live play-by-play. Uh, you did well. I could. Yeah, that very impressive. Thank very you. Very impressive. So you're looking at targeting something to either take a player and get completely out of this draft, and maybe future assets down the road, or just take something for future assets and 
see what you get in free agency? Is that what you're looking at? Or do you want something I don't, I don't tangible? want future assets. Uh, you want me, something tangible. The Jazz have enough future assets. I mean, they have more future first-round picks in the next... Or, sorry, both actually, yes. What I, I'm about to say is true. Both future first-round and total picks than the Philadelphia 76ers do in the next four years, okay? Mm-hmm. So they, they have plenty of long-term assets. What I want right now at this point is is talent, right? Like, I want talent that will fit in with this roster that will make it better and and really help them as they make this playoff push. I mean, in my mind, I think it's time for the Jazz to be good. Okay, because in my mind, I think you want to be peaking in two to three seasons. That's where I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. Like, where you want to be a top four in the West contender year in and year out, two to three seasons. And I'll tell you, I I think the front office probably agrees more with you. Okay. Um, because, and I don't think that you like want to give something away that would, you know, you don't want to make a win now trade to sacrifice that two to three year future because you're right. They're not going to be a contending team two to three years down the road. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm saying if you get someone like a George Hill or a Drew Holiday, those players are young and good enough that they're still going to be part of your two to three year down the road core. And if all you have to give up is a 12 and a Trey Burke or a 12 and the Golden State pick or the 12 and the Oklahoma City pick or, you know, some combination of those assets, I'm willing to give up those future assets, which are likely to be end of the first round sort of picks and put it together for a, a team that's going to be good both now and later. So do you place value on a this next year's squad making the playoffs as a six, seven, eight seed to enhance their development for that two to three year window where they want to be peaking. You you place yeah, more value on that than say getting getting you know, the a third big man or in. you know something else uh, through the draft. You think getting that re- veteran asset to help push them along that trajectory is more important. Yeah, and quite frankly, I think the Jazz could pull off a trade that whoever they trade for will be better than. You know, on average, mm-hmm. the player that they draft with the twelfth pick will be in two to three years down the road. The way I see it playing out is how smart Dennis Lindsay is. Is he just waits and sees what's there mm-hmm. at twelve, yeah. and then goes, "Okay, here's the yeah." But you also have to see who's out there in the trade market too, right? I yeah. mean, well, I think that's where he just waits and sees if somebody, you know, every year somebody slips, somebody falls from you know a top tier or, or perceived top tier, and somebody behind the Jazz are going to fall in love with that player and maybe offer up something the Jazz want that you just described. So maybe they just sit and wait to see what happens in front of them and then go, all right, here are our options. We have 15 minutes or 10 minutes to decide. (laughs) It's five minutes, though. That's the thing is when it gets to your pick, it's five. This isn't the NFL draft. This is the NBA draft. So you've got five minutes, which really means you have, you know, four because you've got to get your pick in. Another reason the NFL is the worst. It really is. That draft is unwatchable because it takes, you know, three days. Um, whereas the NBA draft is, is done in one solid evening. Oh, one and done. I, yeah. I mean, I just think that you have to, you have to know what you're going to be trading for and you have to be like, okay, if let's say you have to make it pretty binary, you have to be like, if Stanley Johnson's on the board, let's say that's the jazz love Tim and I don't know that they do, but if the jazz love Stanley Johnson, you could say, if he's still on the board, we make this pick. If he's not, we make this trade. And you have to have that already set up with whichever team that you've already talked to. I can see that happening. Uh, Yeah, because I'm more leaning towards if one of your ideal prospects is there, I'd rather go that route. If they say they have their board, there's one of their top three guys there in a position of need, say that player that can flip-flop between 
the three and the four with Gordon when they go small or that third big man. I'm in the bus that says go that route versus trade back and collect a veteran. That's what I'm looking at. And I, I mean, I, I do see that point of view. I just, I think that overall, I think we maybe sometimes overestimate how good that 12th pick sometimes is. Uh, and ultimately, if you're able to get a above average NBA player from that 12th pick, someone who can play the third be- big role now and later, okay. I think you kind of take the risk out of that situation by making that trade right away. Because obviously, you know, you're, you know kind of what you're getting more from an NBA veteran, you know, yes. in the loose sense than you do from an NBA draft pick who, you know, hasn't played in the league yet. Does what we saw in the last back half of the NBA season with the system, the style, the results and wins from the roster that we project that we know that's going to be on the floor next year plus veteran X, do you think in whatever development from the core players that we've already discussed, do you think that leads to that 6 to 10 range? Is I do. That what yeah, I do. Think? I really okay. do. I mean, at least... To me, in my mind, that's a better team than, say, Phoenix. That's a better team than, say, I mean, uh, to me, that's around as good as the Pelicans are. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that team has a little bit of a better defensive core, um, the Jazz would, than the Pelicans. Uh, and, you know, I, I think they're around as good as the Mavericks were at the end of the, the season. You know, I, I just think that that team we saw over the last two months, I mean, they had the fifth best record in the league since the All-Star break the league's best defense, if they're able to keep it up, or really even anything close, I think they're a good enough team to be in the playoffs next season with just marginal changes. My projections had them in that 6-10 to 10 range going forward with Nets without the variables of the 6th through 8th um, kind of flip-flop of who I kind of think they might end up with in the draft or your veteran random player. I just... <clears throat> Yeah, you never know what's going to happen in the league. You never expect Kevin Durant to miss pretty much a whole year. You never know what that Phoenix front office is going to do. You never uh, what's going to happen with San Antonio. Who's going to retire? Maybe Timmy, maybe Manu. All at the same time, are they going to open up cap space? I don't think Kawhi leaves. I think Kawhi is going to be a spur forever. But Mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen with the Memphis core and you. The Mavericks, basically, they're set to just reload again. You never know who's going to end up over there and if that's going to work because the Rondo experiment didn't. No, and I, I guess I would say some of that uncertainty gives me more faith that the Jazz can make the playoffs next year than than maybe it doesn't, I guess. Okay. Um, let's go ahead that. and take a break because I've, we, we have to. <laughs> um, but on the other side, I want to, first of all, play the Steph Curry song one more time on the show because, again, I love it. And if we can get the Basketball John song, just so for both of our well, both of our sakes, we can compare and contrast the the two great uh, NBA player parodies of our time. Not if, parodies, and but if you can only find homages. the Space Jam version of Basketball <laughs> Jones, I'm totally cool with that too. The cool. ladies love it. Indeed. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we'll be listening to those. You're listening to Salt City Hoops, ESPN 700. Is the end of your work week dragging? Are you looking ahead to the weekend? Will hearing all things University of Utah football and basketball make your Friday go faster? Well, you came to the right place. ESPN 700 brings you Red Friday. You'll hear the best insight from up on the hill from the football team to the running Utes. 
From people who have put on that uniform, tune into Red Friday every Friday from 11 to 1 on Utah's number one sports talk and home of the Utes, ESPN 700. It's uncomfortable. I'm just going down the street. It'll wrinkle my shirt. I'm a safe driver. It takes too long to put on. I'm only driving 25 miles an hour. I don't need it when I'm sitting in the back. I'm the only one in the car. There's no excuse. It's a fact. Wearing a seatbelt is the single most effective way to save your life in a crash. Increased enforcement of Utah's seatbelt laws is happening now. Day or night, click it or tick it. Commitment on and off the field. That's what it takes to be an I Am Flash Student Athlete of the Month. Brought to you by ESPN 700. I Am Flash is one of Utah's leading technology companies making some of the most technologically advanced memory in the world. Now they're rewarding student athletes who excel in sport and demonstrate an interest in science, technology, engineering, or math classes. There'll be a new winner each month. Do you know a student athlete who fits the bill? Then nominate someone now at IAmFlash.com slash athlete. That's IAmFlash.com slash athlete check out plaza cycle spring sale price is good for this month only all polaris razors marked down to all-time low prices a certain number of yamaha street bikes as much as five thousand dollars off original msrp hondas and yamahas on sale and financing on select models at a low 1.99 percent oac plaza wants to remind you to get your equipment in for service early to be ready for the big weekend plaza cycle located in the heart of the valley at 1379 west 3300 south and plazacycle.com hundreds of decisions today from what to wear to excuses for being late dinner wait dinner no panic needed dinner is ready right now at big daddy's pizza pick up a hot pepperoni barbecue chicken hawaiian or combo starting at just five dollars big daddy's also delivers go to bigdaddyspizza.com something that every business owner relies on is good advice and that's where score can help SCORE is a nonprofit organization where we provide free business consulting services to people who want to start a business. For nearly 50 years, SCORE mentors have been helping businesses realize their dreams. What's even better than dreams is making a dream come true. Volunteer your expertise. You've got it. Share it. Volunteer your expertise today at SCORE.org. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Mike check. Dan Patrick. Brady's going to miss four. Then there's a bye week. And then irony of all ironies, that game, when Brady comes back, will be against the team that started all of this, the Indianapolis Colts in Indy. Does Commissioner Goodell, Goodell go to the season opener in New England? You're supposed to, right? You're the commissioner. Did I think it was an overreaction? It felt that way. You know, first round pick, fourth round pick. I thought Belichick was going to be mentioned because if you go back to Bounty Gate, Sean Payton is the one who paid the price. I mean, that's a big price. He sat out for a year. That cost him $8 million. But Brady, what do you do now? What do you say now? You say anything. Do you do anything? Aside from the, the appeal process. I love it. The Dan Patrick Show. Can you imagine what would go on behind the scenes? Weekday mornings from 8 to 11, right here on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, class, let's hear what everyone did this weekend. Jill? Well, I raised my older sister to a big oak tree. It was at least a hundred years old. My mom said I must have set a record or something. And then we went down by a stream and perched up on this 
huge rock and saw all these little minnows swimming around way below us. And then I rescued my little brother from an evil slug king who was guarding him at the bush fortress. And my sister and I brought him back to our super twig fort for safety. And then we all laid out and told stories until it got dark. And the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Where were you, Jill? Yeah. We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Anyone want to come this weekend? (laughs) Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week and find the fun, adventurous you. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Basketball John. I got a basketball John. I love the basketball You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. That's absolutely the worst intro we've ever done. I, I'm kind of embarrassed to have like the name of Salt City Hoops affiliated with that song. That's I'm Andy so Larson. Tyler Gibbons joining me. Oh, <laughs> man, that's good stuff. So, I mean, we've been kind of talking about these sports player tribute songs because there was this, the great one by, this, by uh, this Reddit fan today about Steph Curry, the MVP. We'll be playing that one in a second. But first of all... That Basketball John song is so bad. Oh, man, that's so good. That's almost as bad as uh, the Asheroth, Akeem Olajuwon, <laughs> Allen Iverson. Like, that's uh, ruining a classic. That's got to get back on my oh, – Chris Tucker, they ruined a classic. They really <laughs> did. Man. All right, well, then let me, let me show you, I guess, that was a bad example. Let's do the good example, then, of the, of the Steph Curry song, if we could, because that one's actually, like, super well done and well sung and, you know, not at the vocal n- pitch of, like, a seventh grader. I'm going to request it next time I go to Keys on Main. It's right here. <laughs> Myself in times of worry, Steph Curry, it comes for me. He will be the answer, Steph Curry. It's just gold. The broken hearted throughout the league, they all agree. He will be the answer, Steph Curry. Sing a three. And we know he just sings a three on TV right as we're playing this song. That's beautiful. Perfect. That's it right there. That's more golden than the graham cracker. I love it. (laughs) That's just beautiful. Well done, Reddit. I love you. They're for real. Like the internet, you are the best and worst place on earth. And that's <laughs> one of the reasons you're the best right there. Yeah. Just stuff like that. It, it's perfect. It really is. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, put an article on castle.com if you haven't seen it already. Oh, uh, good stuff. <laughs> it's just really super well done. You're right. That, like, I, I got lost in uh, Ty Corbin's eyes. I uh, hypnotized while <laughs> Steph Curry was playing over there. <laughs> in case you haven't listened to the show before, we've got Ty Corbin as a cardboard cutout right behind uh, us in the studio watching our every move, which always you know makes me feel very reminiscent to the 2013-14 season where mm-hmm. he was very literally watching my every question and, and just ready to scoff at me at a, at a moment's notice. I describe it as our metaphorical pour one out for the homie right there that's what that is that's a living memory of one that uh we used to get a hangout with and uh 
him angrily answer questions after a handful of games. But for all in all, he was a good dude, and uh, he was put in a tough position. That he, last was. Year. he was. Here. He was here. As well as with Sacramento. But, you know, also probably yeah. should have done better in both both spots. And at the same time, he got paid millions of dollars to do it. So right. I'm not, it's, not, I'm not, it's not the worst thing I'm in the world. I'm not feeling that bad for criticizing him. Yeah. But it does make me laugh every time I walk in the studio to have that cardboard <laughs> cut out. Look at you. Like, hey, man. Ah. I want to ask something. Is, is it so it was announced earlier this week that uh, Dennis Lindsay would be sent to the NBA's draft lottery rather than J.P. Gibson or someone else who may have been sent? Was, was that a bad move to have Dennis Lindsay as the man on the stage behind the podium reacting for when the call is made? Or do you have to go with J.P. Gibson, the sick, the, the sick kid? <sighs> Uh, I want to go with the sick kid. I like JP. I had a chance to meet him. Uh, but Dennis Lindsay, I think he needs to, uh, you know, kind of be the face. He's the architect. Might as well take credit for it, especially yeah. if it happens to luck out. Well, but at I'm... the same time, karma, if if there, we've learned anything, it's God hates Cleveland and karma <laughs> lives in Cleveland with a little kid going to the NBA draft. So I think that's what we should do. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, I think it's fair to send the what's his name i mean it's dan gilbert's son so i i forget his first name but regardless uh i, I think it's fair to send him when you have a 20 percent chance of winning the lottery it's mm. not that fair to send jp gibson when you have a two percent chance of winning the lottery yeah i just call him ralphie from the uh <laughs> <laughs> christmas, story. No, yeah, christmas story i like it yeah. no, it's a good comparison but i don't know jp's overcome greater odds so that's not? true. I think that's, that's a good I point. think if you look at it like that, that's the way to go. I like it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so NBA Combine tomorrow and Friday on ESPN2 from 1 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. So check that out. It'll be really interesting to see both the drills and the five-on-five play tomorrow. Uh, a lot of the measurements are leaking out on, on Twitter and elsewhere. Once they're all released, they will be released on NBA.com, so you can check those out as well, what? though they, they haven't been yet. What, agents leak things to reporters yeah. that are beneficial <laughs> to their clients? Happen? What? How did, when did this start to become a thing? I, mean, it, I had no idea that that's all a new. thing. It's all new. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the lottery is on May 19th. Like we said earlier in the show, our man Dan Clayton, who was in our show's first hour, uh, will be there in New York City covering the draft lottery for us. We'll talk to... Uh, the Jazz Brass, including Dennis Lindsay, after that lottery takes place, so we can get their reaction. Remember, the Jazz have a 93.5%, I think maybe 93.6% chance, excuse me, that one one in a thousand chance makes a difference uh, of making, or sorry, moving away from that 12th spot. So, or sorry, they have a 93% chance of staying in 12. Everything else is that they move either up or down. Well, you never know what can happen. Cleveland uh, showed us that the last two years, but this was fun. Thanks for having me. I hey, appreciate this. Hey, no problem. You can always by the way, everyone can listen to this as a podcast on saltcityhoops.com, uh, iTunes, or Stitcher, uh, as always. And you should always check out our work on saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Ben Dowsett will be back with us again next week. But again, Tyler, thank you so much for joining in. Filling no in problem. To the girl that I had to cancel a first date with, I'm sorry. I'll buy you a fish sandwich later. <laughs> ESPN 700.